Would you turn this morning to the book of Mark, Mark 11. Let's pray before we read. Father, we are so thankful. Every good thing we enjoy in you today. We're so thankful our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We have confidence about what happens after this life. We're asking you for utterance and anointing, grace, manifestation of your truth, manifestation of your spirit, gifts of your spirit. Everybody's eyes to be opened and ears to be opened and heart to be opened so we can see, hear, and receive. Let there come a supply of the spirit. Let there come direction and revelation and answers to questions and help for right now. And we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise. And by your grace, we will not be hearers only, but we will be doers. And we know as we do, we'll be blessed because you are so faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. You know, I've talked to people before that just acted uh, frustrated and confused because they said, you know, I've been going to church for 15 years and my situation is no better. I got everybody and their brother's book and tape series and CD set and video set on prosperity and I've been to all these seminars and I'm still broke. I've done this, I've done that, and I'm still in bad shape. And again and again, in talking to him, I said, well, you know, it's not hearing the word, it's not being around the word, you've got to do the word, you've got to put it into practice, and that's a new concept to a lot of people. They're like, hey, I came to church, what else do you want? (laughs) Well, it's not what I want, it's what you must do in order to get results. It is not the meeting goers. It's not the tape players. Who is it that get results? Only the doers. So say it one more time. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Mark 11. Let's see today how we do this Word. Jesus, you know, walked by this fig tree came to it and didn't find anything to eat. And so he spoke to it and said, No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And there was no apparent change at that moment in time. And they left. And coming back later, they saw the fig tree and it had withered up, the Bible said, from the roots. So things were affected underground where you could not see. And then later, it affected above ground the trunk and limbs and leaves that you could see. How many know there is a realm unseen, spirit, and there is a realm seen, natural, flesh? Things don't happen first in the flesh. Healing does not begin in your body. Prosperity does not begin in your pocket or purse or accounts. Where does it start? Remember 3 John 2? Beloved, I wish above all things that you would what? Prosper and be in health. How? Even as... Your soul, now people have tried to take, anytime the Bible says prosper, they say, well, that means spiritual prosperity. Don't add to the Bible. Well, health, that's some kind of spiritual healing. Don't add to the scriptures. Let it say what it says. When he says that you prosper and be in health, he's talking about exactly what you think he's talking about. Prosper financially, materially, and be in health physically. But now how's it going to happen? Even as your soul. Well, that's on the inside. He's talking about prosperity on the outside, healing on the outside. But it's going to happen even as your soul prospers. That's on the inside. That means healing begins working on the inside of you before it works on the outside. And it's going to show up on the outside proportionally to how it's working on the inside. 
You got to see yourself healed on the inside before you see any change in your body. You got to see yourself out of debt and in good shape financially on the inside and start thinking that way and talking that way before it shows up in your account. But so many people refuse to do that. They won't walk by faith. They're going to walk by sight. And when they see it change, then they're going to feel better about it. Well, it's not going to happen. But no, we walk by faith, not by sight. And so he spoke to it. It changed. When he spoke to it, how many believe something happened the moment he spoke to that tree? Something, but you couldn't see it. And see, if you, maybe you prayed a prayer. You prayed a prayer to be healed. And you immediately start checking your body. You may not see the evidence of it. You prayed a prayer to get uh, your finances in better shape. You may not see immediately or even the next week any changes in your finance. But does that mean nothing happened? No, if you believe, you know something happened in the spirit. And it is happening. And if I'll stay in faith, it will eventually affect the outside. First the inside, then the outside. First in the spirit, then in the flesh. So he spoke to the tree, something happened. It happened in the spirit and it happened underground to the roots where you couldn't see. But then in a short amount of time, it showed up in the outside. And so the disciples said, wow, look is the fig tree that you spoke. How soon it withered away. Verse 21. Behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. What's the understood subject? And he begins to teach them, especially if you read Matthew's account of this, it really goes together well and shows. He begins now to tell them that he, this is an example of what they can do and how they can operate. He said, have faith in God. And what's the next verse say? For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Jesus told them and us how he did this. Come on now, are you with me? He just gave us insight into how he did this with this tree. How did he do it? He spoke to it. Well, they heard that. No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. But is that all he did? No, sir. no according to him. What else did he do? He believed that what he said would come to pass. And he didn't doubt. And did he have what he said? Yeah, he did. We've even had as recently as a couple of weeks ago, people uh, make what they called disparaging marks about us and about this church and even referred to us as the name it and frame it and blab it and grab it. Who are they making fun of? Who said this? Jesus operated this way. And not only that, he taught us this is how you operate. In fact, go to Matthew. Hold your place there. Go to Matthew real quick. Matthew 21. We've read it before, but it's still true. Matthew 21, 20. Matthew 21, 20. When the disciples saw it, when they saw the fig tree had withered away, they marveled. And they said, how soon is the fig tree withered away? Wonder if that would work on a tumor. Huh? A growth. A cancer. I've seen it work many times. Just like this. Just like this. Just like he spoke to that tree. Growth, I command you to die. Wither up. Be gone. Well, what if it's not the will of God? It is the will of God for that thing to be gone. Ain't no way that's the will of God to be growing in your body and causing you problems. Curse that cancer. Right? Jesus answered and said to them, Verily I say to you, this is verse 21, If you have faith and doubt not, and what? 
Doubt not. You shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. There's a whole lot of you in this verse, isn't there? Look at it again. Verse 21. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you. Is the word God talking to you and me today? So he said to me, If I have faith and doubt not, I shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but if I would say to the mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, it would be done. Is he telling them, is he telling you and me, we can do what he did? As plain as you can say it. And this is how he intended for us to operate. But do you know people haven't? Millions of Christians just ignore this. And instead, you know what they do? They pray and they beg God to move the mountain. Don't they? Oh, please, God, make the mountain go away. Please, God, move this mountain. Please, God, make the mountain go. Please, please. He didn't tell you to do that. Did he? He told you and me that we could do it just like he did it. That if we'd say it, And not doubt in our heart, but believe what we said would come to pass, we'd have what we said. So we ought to be saying some things on a regular basis. Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves, didn't he? He spoke to fevers and diseases. He spoke against demons. He spoke, and when he did, things happened. And people have said, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, that's Jesus. He could do that. No, he didn't just do that as God. He did it as a man. And he's teaching us how to do it. He did it as our example. And he said, if you have faith in me and believe on me, you will do the things that I did. Right? Didn't he say that, John? The works I do, you'll do also. And even greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. So we ought to be saying some things. But does it happen just because you said it? No. No. What else must happen? You must believe. That you must be persuaded that what you say has effect and you must expect what you say to happen. None of this trying it will see stuff. You got to expect it to happen. And then what else? And not doubt. Why would he say that? Because doubt can mess it up. Doubt can mess it up. Now you're in Matthew, right? Go over to the 14th chapter, please. Matthew 14. Now, in our study, we've looked up this word doubt. And we said, if you notice, it starts off the core of the word. The root is the same as the word double. D-O-U-B-T, doubt. D-O-U-B-L-E, double. And it has the same meaning. Duo, two, dewey, duo. And uh, it literally means to doubt means to uh, be of two minds or to try to stand in two ways. And the same word doubt is translated waver. It's also translated stagger. You remember the Bible said that Abraham staggered not. What does that mean? He was not of two minds about the deal. He was of one mind. And the Bible said concerning James. That if you lack wisdom, ask of God and he'll give it to you. But you got to ask in faith. And you can't waver. Because if you waver, you're like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. You can't be, yeah, it's going to happen. No, I don't know. Boy, I hope it is. Uh, It don't look like it. That doesn't work. That's what he said, don't do, because that'll prevent it from working. So here you see one of, such a perfect scripture picture and example of this in Matthew 14. Matthew, the 14th chapter. You know the story, but let's read it again. The Bible said that uh, the disciples had got in the ship and were going to the other side without Jesus. He sent them away. And verse 24, the ship was tossed in the midst of the sea. 25, in the fourth watch of the night. So this is, uh, we'd say early in the morning before daylight. 
Jesus comes walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. And they said, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. You know, uh, have you ever noticed what kind of people God uses? People just like you. (laughs) You know why? You can't find any others. (laughs) We're it. And we are all men and women subject to like passions and don't know everything. And this is not the right response. Fear is never the correct response. And they've been with him for some time now. And they've been in his presence. And they've seen the miracles. And they've heard all the teachings. And they've heard him teaching on not having fear. And they saw him demonstrate it. But so what do they do? Oh, they get scared. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. This is his right hand men. (laughs) So if you ever have any trouble with your help. You're in good company. (laughs) Jesus had some trouble with his too. But the good news, he didn't give up on them. And he doesn't give up on you and me. Aren't you glad? If we'll stay with him, he'll help us. He'll show us. He'll teach us. But they're all scared and crying out for fear. And Jesus spoke up. He said, be of good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid. They must have been coming apart. (laughs) These big grown men crying and whining in the boat. (laughs) Oh, no. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you on the water. Now, that's interesting response, isn't it? But it's what he did. And uh, the Bible said, Jesus said, come. Well, it was him. So what's he going to say? Now, if Jesus has really operated the way a lot of theologians and preachers imply that he did, he would have never told Peter to get out of the boat. Because he'd have said, whoa, whoa, what do you mean, come? Now, I'm the son of God. I can suspend the laws of nature because I am, I, everything was created by me. But what do you think? You can come out here and do this? Get, sit down in the boat. <laughs> now, the reason I say that is because centuries of religion have told men this. Stay in your place. You're a worm and an unworthy worm at that. Now, Jesus is perfect, but you ain't. Well, you already knew that. But by the blood, by the blood, you are made as righteous as he, because it's his own righteousness. Yours wouldn't cut it. And ever since man fell, God hadn't been trying to keep us down and keep us in our place. Ever since man fell, he's been saying what Jesus said. Come. Come. Oh, can you hear it? Can you hear it? Come. Come on up. Come up out of that sin and muck and quagmire. Come up. Come up and fellowship with me. Come up here. Come out of the realm of fear and failure. Come up and walk on the water. Come up and have miracles. Come up and see the glory of God manifest. Come on. Come up. Come up and walk with me. Come up and do what I'm doing. Oh, glory to God. You know that's the heart of any real parent. Real parents that really love their kids, they don't tell them, oh, no, 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 don't ever think you can attain to what daddy has. Don't ever think you can attain to what mother has. No, no. What do parents want? Oh, they want you to come up and even exceed us. Well, you can't exceed your father God (laughs) or the master. But the most you could do is come up. Didn't the Bible say, you know, that the disciple can't be above his master, but he can be what? 
He can be like the master. Oh, we haven't believed that. Can we operate like him? And so he's doing the seeming impossible. And Peter says, if that's you, call for me to come. He said, come on. (laughs) Well, it's all over but the doing now. Now, let's just stop right here. Then there's so much here. Do you understand that at this moment, there is no manifestation of power? He's heard from the Lord. He's got the word, but there's no miracle. Until what? Until what? Until he has the courage to stand up. In the, I mean, the wind is howling. The waves are splashing. And he's going to do what? He's got to step out. Is that right? And rest his foot. On something that's not supposed to hold him up. Knowing that in these kind of conditions. You get out of the boat. That can be the last time anybody ever sees you. In these kind of conditions. There would have been no miracle. Unless he'd had faith step out on what Jesus said. Oh come on now. Come on. Do you you see this? Do you see this? Every situation. Ministry. Church. Personal, healing, financial, that's the way it works. You seek God, you call on God, and He will give you the Word. And in that Word is the power. But there will be no release of power, there will be no manifestation of power until what? Until you step out on that Word. You cannot sit in the boat and wait until the power begins to make your feet tingle. You can't sit in the boat and wait till the glory lifts you up out of the boat and floats you out over the way. You'd like to, but uh-uh. You gotta take a step when it looks like there's no way. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I'm thinking right now, what if we hadn't taken the step with this church? You know, you weren't here. When it was just me and Phyllis in the room with a calculator. <laughs> it was a step, my brother, sister. It was a step. And uh, I had people that, you know, I've told you, but that thought it was their job to come tell me what a mistake I was making. And call me and tell me, oh, Brother Keith, what do you want with that big old building? Dear me, do you know what the utilities on that thing's going to be? Do you know this? Do you know that? Do you know that? And what if you, you get up, you go fall on your face and, and it'll make you look bad and it'll hurt your ministry. Well, eventually, I finally told one of them, I said, look, I'm a man. I could miss it. But I didn't just do this off the top of my head. We have prayed about this at length. We've looked at this and looked at this. And I'll tell you what, I would rather... Step out by faith, endeavoring to obey God and fall flat on my face and have people laugh and have trouble than to stay and play it safe, too scared to step out and do anything. Did you hear me? No. You don't need to go off half cocked and hadn't heard from the Lord. But when you've heard from the Lord, it's time to step out, step out and obey. And act. And when he did. Mm-mm-mm. He stepped out of that boat. He stepped out on that water. And what happened? He walked. On the water. Just like Jesus. Is doing. Which proves that. What we've been talking about all along. This is not just for the master. What if the whole bunch of them would have said. Tell us to come too. What do you think would have happened? Why didn't they? Too scared. (laughs) But now here's the thing. Verse uh, 29. He said come. And when Peter was come down. Out of the ship. He walked on the water. To go to Jesus. Outstanding. But. Uh oh. (laughs) When he saw the wind, is he supposed to be looking at the wind? 
What's he supposed to be looking at? Thinking about. One thing. Come on, see, we're back to this now, right? One thing. How many things can you think about and talk about while walking on the water? (laughs) Somebody says, well, I am very good at multitasking. (laughs) You are going to sink. Because when it comes to faith, you got to be single-minded. Single vision. That's it. One thing. So he began to entertain other things. The wind was really kicking up. Of course, everybody knows when the wind gets above 35 miles an hour, you can't walk on the water. Can't walk on the water when it's perfectly calm. <laughs> Except by faith. Now I know that sounds funny, but that's what messed Peter up. And it's unreasonable. But that's how the enemy works. He's already having a miracle in his life. He's already experiencing the miraculous. And the devil says, you can't do this when the wind kicks up like this. Now, it's laughable. You ought to laugh at it. But he didn't. He went, huh. Yeah, man, when the wind's really kicking like that, you can't walk on the water like that. (laughs) Now, we laugh at it, but it worked. Friend, when God is doing miracles in our life, when he's working things out in our finances and he's healing our body and and he's doing things in our marriages and our homes and our children and our grandchildren and our business, the enemy will try to throw something up and go, well, it won't work now. Well, why would that make any difference? Why would a hundred mile an hour wind make any difference? It doesn't. Unless you believe it does. Unless it, you let it impress your mind. So he, he got to looking at the, he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried. He started down. Oh, can you see this? Man, this is such a perfect graphical picture of how faith works. As long as you're in faith, you can operate above it. But the moment you begin to let fear get in, what happens? You start to sink. And you can feel it. may not be literally walking on the water, but you can feel it in your life. You start sinking when you let fear in. Do you remember... Jairus' daughter. And how that Jesus came, you know, to minister to her. And how they came to him and told him, don't bother the master anymore. She's already gone. She's already dead. What did Jesus look at him and say? Fear not. not. What? Only believe. Don't be afraid. Now see, what's the next phrase? Only You can only do this. You can't think about her being dead. You can't think about what they're telling you. You cannot entertain any of that. See, we live in a society that teaches us to be broad-minded. And we live in the information age where you can type something in on a search and get a million hits. And everybody's got their opinion. And the Bible said there are many voices in the world. And none of them without significance. All of them's got something to say. But for the believer, there's only one source. Come on now. For the believer, for the faith man, the faith woman, there's only one word that counts. Only one. He had his word. It was come. Come on, boy, get out of the boat. Come to me. And that word was carrying him. He was coming across the water. He was doing the impossible. He was living in miracles. Until he considered another word. The thoughts came to his mind. Look at the wind. Look at the wind. You can't do this in the wind like this. The wind, the wind, the wind. He thought, whoa, look at the wind. And fear come in. And he started to sink. And when he did, he cried out to the Lord, which is the right thing to do. 
If you get in trouble, if you start wavering for whatever, cry out for mercy. And he said, Lord, help me. What he's asking for right now is mercy. Mercy. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And said to him. Oh, my, my. Isn't the Lord merciful? You know, don't get overly hung up on your faith. There are times when your faith, uh, how can I say it? It's just not quite there. But you're doing the best you know. And in those times, God's mercy will make up the difference. Oh, are you listening now? You see it right here. He actually was getting out of faith and letting fear get in. But the Lord didn't just let him drown. Aren't you glad about that? And it didn't say, and so they never saw Peter again. (laughs) They dragged the lake and dragged the lake later, but no. No. (laughs) No, because of the mercy. Oh, the mercy. The mercy of God. Even when his faith fell short. The mercy saw him through. Because the Lord knew this was his first time out. Walking on the water. (laughs) He's merciful. (laughs) And Jesus stretched forth his hand and he caught him. And he said to him. Peter, good job. Man. I guess me and you only once ever did this. You know, you slip a little bit there at the end, but you know you're only human, and I know that. No, 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 no. 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 Why? Because he didn't have to slip. There was no need for him to sink and cry out and ask for mercy. Shouldn't have happened. Wasn't supposed to happen. What did he say? Peter, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Why? Now, you know, modern society doesn't like this. Because modern society doesn't like to be corrected. Modern society doesn't believe in correction. Especially if we're Christians, we're supposed to love each other. So that means no correction. Just love me. (laughs) If you start getting corrected, oh, 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 I don't feel the love. That's, I don't feel the love. (laughs) Was he feeling the love? He should have been. He ain't drowning. Right? (laughs) But we live in a society that can't take any correction. None. None. Oh no, don't tell me anything I did wrong. But that's not how the Lord is. He'll tell you not blink an eye. And not make any excuses for you. And not allow you to make any. And if you haven't learned that's how he is. You must. To progress with him. You have to be able to receive correction. Even rebuke. And it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. But it's the way. To make changes and to overcome. And there's none of us who never needs any correction. None of us. He said Peter. Oh, you of little faith. Why'd you doubt? Now, you know, the Lord's not mean. It just annoyed him because he was doing so good. Right? right. And he could have just come all the way. Why? And see, this is the thing. To the Lord, there is no legitimate excuse for doubting. He could have gone... Lord, the wind was blowing so hard. The wind was blowing before you got out of the boat, boy. (laughs) The waves were splashing. And what does that have to do with the power of the word keeping you afloat? Nothing. But it was so hard. See, people, other people will accept your excuses. The Lord won't. Because he knows it's got nothing to do with it. It was so hard and they wouldn't help me. And you know, the symptoms just got worse. And you know, the bills just piled up. What's that got to do with by stripes you're healed? What's that got to do with my God shall supply all your needs? 
Nothing. Unless you focus on it and take your eyes off what he said. Now here I want to use another phrase here. When he says, why did you doubt? Wherefore did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Let me say it another way here to emphasize something. You could say it like this. Why did you change? Did you hear this? Why did you change? What if he hadn't changed? We know he started out doing the right thing. It's working. If he had just not changed, if he just kept doing what he was doing, there would have been no problem. But he changed. And when he changed, it's when he let the fear in, when he let the doubt in, he started sinking. When he changed is when it all went wrong. Somebody say, why did you change? Say it again. Why did you change? Now, in Proverbs 24, you don't have to turn there. But listen, Proverbs 24. He said, my son, fear the Lord and the king and do not associate With those who are given to change. Did you hear that? Do not associate with those who are given to change. When you get in faith. There's only one way the enemy can defeat you. And that's to get you to change. If you'll just stay your course. And keep saying the same thing. Keep believing the same thing. Keep expecting the same thing. And no matter if the wind blows and the wave splashes and the lightning crashes, you just say, no, 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 this is what he said. This is what he said. This is what he said. This is all I believe. If the enemy can't get you to change, nothing he can do with you. You will get the results. Have you ever been tempted to change, though? Oh, yeah. Go to Colossians 2. I said another way of saying that, you could say, Peter, why did you change? You were doing good. You were running a faith race. You are walking on the water. Why did you change? Well, there is no legitimate excuse for changing. The wind blowing, that stuff doesn't hold, doesn't carry. Colossians 2. Colossians 2. And verse 5, he said, though I be absent in the flesh... Yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the what? The steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Read that last phrase out loud. The steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Another translation says, the NAS says, I rejoice to see your good discipline and the stability Of your faith in Christ. Real faith makes you stable. You can't doubt and get your results. Doubt means to be of two minds. To be vacillating. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Well that makes you unstable. Like James says. You're like a wave of the sea. Driven with the wind and tossed. No stability. But when you believe in God. And you're only focused on one thing. It makes you stable. And you say exactly the same thing tomorrow as you said today. And the day after that. And the day after that. And you don't change. Come on now. You don't change. Why? Because you're basing what you're believing on the word of one who doesn't change. If he doesn't change and you changed, you got away from him. He didn't change. Go to Hebrews, please. Hebrews 13. Why did Peter change? He didn't have to. He shouldn't have. Is another way of saying, why did you doubt? Doubting is changing, vacillating. I don't pray just to be praying. Do you? And when I join faith with somebody, I don't do it just to be doing it. And I don't forget it. I uh, asked somebody a while back. I prayed with them a prayer of agreement. It's been years ago. 
And uh, they might have thought I forgot it, but I hadn't forgot it. And I asked them, I said, still believing for that certain thing? And they said, yeah, 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 it's close now. And I, I wanted to hear that. Because I know if they quit me, I can't believe it on my own because it's for them. But you hear people will change, though. They go, well, you know, yeah, I got excited about that. But, you know, this has happened and that's happened. Well, what's happened? They changed. Is it going to happen? Mm-mm. No. I'm glad they gave me the right answer. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow or imitate their faith, considering the end of their conversation, their way of life. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday. And today. And forever. He doesn't change. Verse 9 says. Be not carried about with divers. That means different. And strange or new doctrines. Does all this go together? Jesus is the same. Therefore his teaching is the same. So don't be carried off. By changing teachings. Different and new teachings that are different from what you've heard. For it's a good thing that the heart be what? Established with grace. Oh, can you say amen? Good leaders are leaders that are stable, aren't they? And they don't. They're not up and down and in and out. And we're going to believe this. No, we're not going to believe this. We're going to do this. No, we're not going to do this. Oh, we're going to stand for this. No, we're not going to stand. Somebody's not hearing from the Lord. Or either they have heard from the Lord, but they're getting away from it now. Once we've got the word of the Lord, should we ever change after that? No. Once we've heard from him. There should be no changing. How many know he is the Lord? And every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from him from above. With whom there is no variableness. No variance. He doesn't vary. Why? He doesn't need to. He knows what's right. He said what is right. There's no need for him to change. We're not going to get any updates. Or upgrades for the Bible. Now here's version 839. It's an upgrade to the Bible. <laughs> you better throw it away. Because <laughs> if it is, God's not God. God didn't know it. He found out some things he didn't know. And had to add to and change. He knows the end from the beginning. His ways are perfected, purified. He's not weeding through all the stuff and vacillating and trying to find the best. He knows the best. He said it the first time. It's right. And it doesn't change. Why? Because he doesn't need to. There's no reason for him to change. And so when we get the word from him, we got it. There's no need for us to change. We stand on it. We stay on it. We believe it, we expect it, and we do the same thing day in, day out. Feel better, feel worse. Look better, look worse. Better report, worse report. We don't let any of those things move us. We don't let the wind move us. We don't let the waves move us. We don't let unbelieving brethren move us. We don't let confused kinfolks move us. Come on now. We don't let unbelievers on the job move us. We don't let professionals move us. We don't let people with degrees move us. When you've heard from the Lord, you've heard from the Lord. You've got it. So there should be no change in you. How many know that word come that got Peter walking on the water out of the boat? That word would have sustained him as long as he needed it to. If he hadn't changed. No doubt means. No change. Talking about once you've heard from the Lord. 
Can you say amen? amen? Glory be to God. Go with me to, uh, let's see, you're there in Hebrews already. Just back up to the fourth chapter, and I think we can close with this. Isn't it exciting to live by faith? To walk by faith, to know that all things are possible to him that believes. I'm so excited because I can see growth in so many of you. You know, I saw you when we first got here. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm telling you. How many know and testify you're at a different place now than you were just a year or two ago? I mean, God has brought you up. Why? Because you got your eyes off of all the other stuff. And you're beginning to focus on what he said. And it's taking you up. And some, a lot of the folks that put some fine stuff in those uh, seed tents didn't have anything three years ago. Decent to put in the tent. And some of those same folks buying new stuff and putting in the tent. Mm, mm, mm. God is changing people's lives. But now, why would the Lord tell us this? Any number of reasons, but one of them is that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. The enemy has and will try to change you from what has already worked in your life. From what has been producing results. He would try to get you offended and alienate you from us, from your faith friends. Get you offended at some teaching or some doctrine. Anything to get you to change off of this faith word path that you have begun. And it's up to you whether you'll let yourself be moved or not. And it's not about loyalty to human beings. It's loyalty to the word. To the word. Don't believe a thing I say. Unless you can see it in the word. Or any other preacher. Right? Or any other brother or sister. But if it's in the Word. Never allow yourself to become offended at a part of the Word. I've seen people who, you know, just as gung-ho about prosperity as I was 25 years ago. But now they're offended at the prosperity message. And actually against it. They think. People that were as excited about healing as I was 25 years ago. But now... They pass out flyers against healing. And they're sick. And that's why. Because they, you know, they tried to do something and they didn't think it worked. So instead of them just admitting maybe they missed it somewhere, they try to say the word doesn't work. What pride. What arrogance. Any of our failures proves nothing except we failed. Right? That we didn't know something. That we didn't do something right. But it doesn't prove that the word doesn't work. The Bible said concerning Joseph in the book of Psalms. It says until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. People say well I tried that and it didn't work. Wrong. It tried you. And you quit. You failed. You didn't try the word and it didn't work. Has never happened. Never will. God cannot fail. He does not change and he cannot fail. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. So then his people, you, me, that are walking in his word, we don't change. We should be like him. The same. Yesterday, today, and for what were they saying yesterday? By his stripes I'm healed. What are they saying today? By his stripes I'm healed. What will they be saying next year? By his stripes I'm healed. Why? Because it reads exactly the same way. What were they saying last week? My God supplies all my needs. What are they saying today? My God supplies all my needs. What will they say tomorrow? My God. You don't change. Oh, come on. Somebody's getting it in here today. You do not change. And when you do, you're steadfast that way. You're stable that way. Hebrews 4 describes your condition. And it is a blessed one. Hebrews 4 and three. Hebrews 4 3 says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. Can you say amen? amen. 
Verse 9, there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Oh, thank you, Lord. You're no longer struggling trying to keep up with all the stuff that's changing round about you. You don't have to. You found the word and the power in the word that takes care of you. And so you don't change. You don't change. People say, oh, y'all still believe in that old-fashioned gospel stuff that Jesus is the only way and you have to be born again? You know, yeah. Well, y'all are just narrow-minded. Yeah, and saved. There is a broad way. But it leads to destruction. Right? You cannot be open-minded to entertain. People say, I think they brainwashed you over at that Faith Life Church. That's better than dirtying up your brain. Defiling your brain. It's an insult to you that you can't think for yourself. What does that mean? They brainwashed you with what? I don't get up here and read people's books. What? If we brainwashed you with something, what was it? You know what goes on here every service? Scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. So if you got washed with that, that's a good thing. Right? Yes, thank you, Lord. Everybody stand. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lift up your hands. Give glory to God. Lord, we are so thankful. We are so thankful. So thankful. So thankful. So thankful. So thankful. Lord, we thank you for the word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for faith. Thank you that you've put faith in our hearts with your word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Said out loud, my eyes are on him. My heart is fixed. My heart is established. Trusting him. Hearing him. A stranger's voice. I will not follow. Word other than his. I will not consider, only on you, Lord, only on you, my eyes are only on you, hallelujah, thank you Lord, thank you Lord, that means you're coming out too, that means you're coming all the way out, that means you'll see what you're believing for, you'll experience it, you'll have it. It will come to pass. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.